Turn with me this morning, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. We'll begin reading in verse 1 through to verse 17. Let's ask the Lord for his help. Our Father, we know that as we just sang, exalting our crucified and risen Savior, in you, Lord Jesus, we have a foretaste of the deliverance that awaits us, of experiencing your resurrection power in full when we will inhabit the new heavens and new earth with resurrected bodies. And so while we in this life undergo suffering and the disintegration of life physically while we go through the challenges like that of Nancy Capper our hope is not in this life but in the one to come may we long for that may we with eyes of faith be looking for that even now as we come to your word and we see the pitfalls and dangers of this life longing for what is to come bless us Holy Spirit open our eyes as we are in Jesus Christ children of light enlighten us that we would radiate Jesus who is the light of this world and we would not be those who walk in darkness Pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. 
For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything becomes visible as light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the word of God. Earlier, Jeremy said, I came to fill the gap. Today, I'm coming to tell you to mind the gap. Now, you can carry that too far and somehow conclude that means beware of Bob McKelvey, but uh, I'm not saying that. If you've ever had the opportunity to be in London, I, about well, 24 years ago, I got to go on a study trip to England and Scotland and go to London and ride the underground, the combination rail subway train system in London. And when the train pulls up to the platform, as it stops and the doors open, an announcement comes over the loudspeaker, mind the gap. And you'll hear that a few times, mind the gap. And of course they're saying there's a gap between the train and the platform. What we would be used to hearing here is, please watch your step as you enter the train. You're to watch out for that gap. There's a potential danger there, and people do fall in. They have videos of passengers who are intoxicated or who are just not paying attention or who are elderly, and they fall in, and sometimes people die. Sometimes they're rescued. Being told to watch your step. And that is what Paul is telling us in this passage. And I want us to consider this as he tells us to mind the gap in this life. And so my challenge to all of us this morning is, is this, that as children of light, in Jesus Christ, that we would walk carefully in these dark and dangerous times. Let's look at this in this letter, one of Paul's prison epistles. 
that he wrote during his imprisonment that we find at the end of the book of Acts, a letter in which he sets before us the glories of our salvation in Jesus Christ. How God from eternity past decided who would come to him and how he would and Jesus Christ gather them into the people that belong to him. People that are called the household of faith once aliens and strangers now brought into this household the church of Jesus Christ with him as their head and how this has all occurred by grace and we have those two famous verses in chapter 2 which I'm sure many of you have memorized for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast you're not saved by your own righteousness. We just sang about that this morning. Not your works. By grace, it's a gift. If you were in Jesus Christ, it is totally a gift, not by works. But yet, the next verse, which we often forget about, makes it very clear. You're his workmanship by grace. Created in Christ Jesus to do works. So you're not saved by works, but you are saved to do good works in Jesus, to live for him, to respond to that grace. And so the second part of the letter is dealing very much with how we who are in Jesus by grace ought to live. And so we find in chapter 5, Paul telling us to be imitators of God. He loved you. He brought you to Jesus. You now respond in love. You're beloved children of God. You walk in love or live in love towards God and towards other people. Just as Christ loved you, he laid down his life for you. You lay down your life for the Lord and for others. You're no longer living for yourself. You're giving of yourself to others, a fragrant offering like Christ, a sacrifice to God. And so that is going to have implications in your life. You're going to turn away from sins sexual immorality, impurity, or covetousness, longing for things, whether it be something sexual or in terms of material or financial possessions that either God never meant for you to have or that it may be something good that he's chosen not to give you at that point or possibly ever, and you're longing for that in the lust of the flesh. Things that ought not to be named among the saints, including crude joking and any sort of filthy talk. 
the kind that goes on so frequently in the workplace and people are watching to see if you join in and watching to see how you respond. These things are out of place for you. Instead, there ought to be thanksgiving as your life is lived as a thank offering for God. Because people who live like this, Paul says, which in the end is idolatry or putting something else in the place of God and making it more important, even the good stuff of life, like your job and your family. It takes the place of God, though, and it becomes excessive. You live this way. You have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Though you're saved by grace, not by works, you're saved for works to live for Christ. Don't let anyone deceive you, Paul says, with empty words, somehow making you think that just because you're saved by grace that it doesn't matter really how you live, and yeah, nobody's perfect, you're, you're just forgiven. He's saying God's wrath is coming upon people who live this way. You used to live this way, but not anymore. And you ought not to associate with people who do. You were one time in darkness, he says in verse 8, but now you are light in the Lord because of Jesus, who is the light of the world. As he says in the Gospel of John, I am the light of the world. And if you are joined to Jesus, that light has come to you, and now it comes forth from you. You are a child of light, no longer living in darkness, though we're, we're constantly tempted to run back into the darkness, which in the Bible here, clearly, this is just a symbol for sin and righteousness. We're no longer those living in the darkness of sin. We're living in the light of the Lord in his righteousness. You want to know what that's like? Well, we see in verse 9, the fruit of light, that you are a child of light, is that now your life is going to be marked by, not perfectly, but truly doing what is good and right and true and and when you fail to do that to bemoan it and and to long and to cry out to do those things to live according to the scriptures and as paul says in verse 10 seeking to do what pleases the lord you no longer are living for yourself you're living to do what pleases the Lord. I just spoke to somebody this past week who's bemoaned their life and saying, I've been living for myself. And we ought to see that, how we did in the past before coming to the Lord, and how when we indulge in sin, it's all about living for me, pleasing me. We're called to a life that seeks to please the world, or Lord, not the world. 
Don't take part in those things, Paul says, those unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Seems like he's almost like he's contradicting himself here. Expose these things, but don't even talk about them. But what he's getting at is here, we, we can expose things and talk about them without getting into the explicit details of them. And so, I can say, man, it's wrong to look at pornography without getting into all the details and the way the world speaks. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. We are children of light, and that light is going forth to expose the darkness. And then he recites what appears to be part of an early Christian hymn. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You now in Christ's resurrection power are going forth, radiating the light of Christ. And then he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I first became familiar with this verse from the King James Version. I was brought up spiritually in a church where we used the King James Version, and it says, walk circumspectly. There's a word we don't use much, but it speaks about walking carefully. And I remember years ago, and this helps me to realize when I'm preaching the value of good illustrations to shed light on the text, hearing a missionary from the Philippines talk about, from this passage, walking circumspectly. And I had never seen the type of thing he was talking about till we moved to South Africa. He said, in the Philippines, people have, often will have walls around their property to protect their households and their possessions from robbers. And when they make the wall, and there is wet cement on the top of the wall, they'll take broken pieces of glass, shards of glass, and stick them in the cement all along the length of the wall. And the pieces of glass are sticking up. And I saw those types of walls in South Africa. The idea is that it would be more difficult to climb over the wall. Well, there are ways around that, obviously, but it makes it more difficult. It makes it perilous to get over the wall. And he said, I used to watch the cats on top of the wall. And they were able to just maneuver across the length of that wall. And they would walk carefully, carefully placing their paws in between the pieces of glass very, in a very agile way, maneuvering. And he said, that is what it means to walk circumspectly. There are dangers in this life. And we need to be careful where we place our feet. And you can't do that in the darkness, can you, without light? I could take you and put you in a dark room. 
put a blindfold on, he'd take you to a dark room, and you get in the room, I said, take off the blindfold, it doesn't help anyway, it's so pitch black in the room, even after your eyes adjust, you can't see uh, more than six in inches in front of you, and I say, there's a book on the other side of the room, now, I'm not going to tell you what's in the middle, but on the other side of the room, there's a book, and I want you to go pick it up. By the way, just to help you, there's a flashlight on the other side of the room in the corner. If you go get that flashlight first, then you can see your way to find the book. But you're in the darkness. And you start to walk and, and to feel your way around and you're tripping over things. It's very difficult to walk carefully. But if I gave you the flashlight first and I said, walk across the room and get that book. By the way, here's a flashlight. I'm putting it in your hand now. Turn it on and you'll be able to find your way. Because of the light, you're able to walk carefully. In the light of Jesus Christ, we are able to walk carefully, to do so wisely according to the principles of Scripture. To know the spiritual dangers, whether it relates to something sexual or financial or whatever it is, as Paul deals with these things in this passage. He goes on to talk about other things, drunkenness, but probably in association with pagan worship, being filled with the Spirit, instructing one another, singing to one another, addressing one another in song, giving thanks to the Lord, submitting to one another in proper ways, as he goes on to talk about in the following passage, to walk wisely. You're able to do this because you're children of light. And then in connection with that, he says, making the best use of your time. Walk carefully, making the best use of your time. Literally redeeming the time, buying it back. Now in the Lord, the gift of time he's given you in every day, you're to use it. You're to make the most of every opportunity, living in wisdom. Because, Paul says, the days are evil. We live in dangerous times, evil times where the children of God in Christ live alongside the children of this world. And where there is much to entrap us, where we have this great enemy, Satan, who wants to trip us up who wants us to run back into the darkness and the world calling us back to the darkness and our flesh longing for it. But this isn't the life to which we're called in these evil times. So Paul says, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. According to the scriptures, what he has declared to you, understand it and seek it. Don't just know it, but as children of light, seek to live in it. 
every day you are given a gift. 24 hours in which you are called to walk carefully in wisdom. Every decision has its consequences. Every day we wake up, we are faced with, are we going to live in the light and walk carefully through this life with all of its dangers? And that's something we can't do in and of ourselves. We can only do it through the one who is the light of the world, Jesus Christ himself. That's the only way it will work, and so we need to be resolved. I'm sure many of you are familiar with a great American theologian, Jonathan Edwards, and how at the age of 19, he made this list of resolutions of how he was going to live his life, and some of them had to do with how he was using his time. And one of the resolutions he made at the age of 19 and I'm sure he did it much better than any of the rest of us. As we consider his life, his, he wrote, resolve to make the most of every opportunity as though it were my last hour. He sought to make the most of his time. It's a gift. There was an ad that was once placed in a newspaper, you know, like a lost cat, dog, something like that, and it read this. Lost yesterday somewhere between sunrise and sunset. Two golden hours, each set with 60 diamond Minutes, no reward offered, they are gone forever. Opportunities come to us, they're golden opportunities. It, it might have to do with sharing the gospel with somebody or taking time for your children, parents. Maybe just to spend time with them or to teach them something. But it may be you take the opportunity to make a wise decision and to do what is right and good and true rather than to do what is evil. It's one decision, but decisions add up, don't they? And so do the consequences they bring into our lives. And so, for example, a father who's always too busy to bother with his kids will one day discover, maybe he was unaware of it up to that point, I have no relationship with my son. And it all began with that, I'm, I'm too busy right now. And at time after time after time, all those things add up. And the opportunities that he failed to take are gone. And the opportunities we fail to take to make the right decision 
and to seek to please the Lord rather than ourselves, they're gone. And once they're past, they're gone. You can't get them back. But oh yes, there is forgiveness with the Lord. You know, I look at my life as I've reflected upon this passage. How many opportunities I've lost. How much time was wasted before I came to know the Lord at the age of 21 and, and the poor decisions even after that and how I failed to see things that I should have seen. And I look back now, even as a believer, and say, what were you thinking? My mom died of cancer less than a week after my wife and I were married. I was a believer at the time. And I thought that my mom was not a professing believer. I needed to share the gospel with her, and I did. But there was something I wasn't doing at that time, and I, I didn't see it then. I wasn't caring for her. I wasn't showing the love and concern I needed to for my mom who was dying of cancer. And one time she said to me, I don't need you to be my pastor. I need you to be my son. And I thought, well, I, I need to share the gospel with my mother. I get it now. I lost those opportunities, and the Lord forgives. And I've learned not perfectly by any means in caring for other people in our family. Once those things are gone, they're gone. There's an ancient Greek statue. And the statue is of a man with wings on his feet and a big tuft of hair coming out of the front of his head. And on the back of his head, he was totally bald. And there was an inscription on the statue, which asked some questions of the statue, as though the statue were speaking. And it says, what is your name? My name is Opportunity. Why do you have wings on your feet? So that I can quickly fly away. Why do you have a big forelock of hair on the front of your head? So that when I come, men may seize me. Why are you bald in the back? So that when I pass, no one can lay hold of me. There is opportunity. We've all missed so many of them. We've all wasted so much time. I'm not here to somehow in a prudish way tell you you shouldn't uh, watch TV or relax or go on vacation or uh, do something that is pleasurable or get involved in sports and recreation, that type of thing. Those are all things the Lord gives to us for our good. 
but we often go way too far in them, don't we? Let's be honest. And how little we use for the Lord. And we are guilty. I remember reading an account of somebody who came up to their friend who was sitting on the park bench and he's just looking off into the distance and says to his friend, what are you doing? Oh, just killing time. Do you ever say that? May it never be the case that we're just killing time, but making the most of it. On times of our, our birthdays in our families, we, in our family, we turn to Psalm 90, where the psalmist says, as he talks about the brevity of life, and you might live to be 70 or 80, but it's all toil, it all quickly flies away. And then in verse 12, he says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And we always ask the question, even the youngest children in our family learn this, is, is this telling us we ought to count the number of our days? No, Daddy, it means we're to make our days count. We ought to number our days to know how brief this life is and make our days count. And oh, how miserably we can fail. May the Lord be merciful to us as we consider what he's given us. Maybe some of you are familiar, and I'll close with this, the book by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life where he's telling us that our reality is found in Jesus Christ. Our lives are tied up in him. They're to be about him, consumed with living for the Lord. And he goes on to talk about the fact that his dad, as a, a pastor, preached the gospel faithfully. And he talks about a man in a church that didn't know the Lord, and he was well up in years, and the church had been praying for him for decades to come to know the Lord, and he did. There's hope, isn't it? The Lord's arm is not too short to save anyone. A family member of yours, friend, who doesn't know the Lord, who seems to be so hardened to the gospel, they can come to know the Lord. But shortly after this man came to know the Lord, he was heard lamenting to somebody over and over as he looked back on his life that he had been living for himself. And he said, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. Over and over. I won't ask you if you've Wasted lots of time. I already know the answer to that question. And the answer is the same for me. I have. But I do ask you to do this. To reflect in your life. You personally. Look at your life. And see how it is that. You are. Being wasteful. And not making the most of every opportunity. And look to the Lord Jesus. See that guy. He could say that but. A good pastor ought to come alongside him and say, hey, friend, it's true, 
But praise be to God. He has called you to himself now. And what life you have, you can live for him. It doesn't have to be a waste. And it may turn out that, that what has happened and how it has happened will be to his great glory in bringing others to him as they see what has happened to this guy. See, we don't need to stay there. We can look to the Lord Jesus to make the most of every opportunity while we walk carefully through this life, minding the gap. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts that we would seek to watch our step in our lives. Lay hold of us, you who have changed our hearts, even as we considered in our catechism questions this morning to know that unless you are at work in our hearts, nobody will ever come to believe on Jesus Christ alone for salvation. We need you to fill our hearts that we would turn away from the unfruitful works of darkness and walk in the light and be able to walk carefully and to be able to make the most of every opportunity to redeem the time. Is there someone here who has never left the darkness? Lay hold of them and bring them into the light to you, Lord Jesus, the light of the world that their lives would not be a waste. And for the rest of us who, oh, we, we can see how wasteful we have been with the gift of time and how unwise we can be and the decisions we make that add up. And we don't need to stay there. May we look to you. Please forgive us. Please have mercy upon us. Please strengthen us. Please call us to the life into which we were created in Christ as new creatures to live for your honor and glory. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.